1: For SEN America, this is the SEN NFL Podcast.
0: Hello, and welcome to the SEN NFL Podcast. Welcome to look at the NFL. I'm your host, Richard Goway. Sitting way across the desk from me is my co-host, James Arthur. G'day, mate. How are you, Richard? I'm good, mate. In the nice big studio today. So far away, I don't have to smell you. (laughs) Coming up on today's podcast, we'll hit on all the latest news. We'll take a preview of the AFC North. We'll discuss another article by our good friends over at Inside the Playbook Australia for their latest article. And we've got a special guest in the studio today. We've got Dallas Cowboy former Memphis Tiger punter Tom Hornsey in studio, which is coming up shortly, which is fantastic. Fourth podcast, mate. We're still here. Our Chris has got us a real guest. Everything's on the up and up. Let's oh, get over to the newsroom.
1: A great guest because it's from the Cowboys.
0: It's time to go into the newsroom on the SEN NFL podcast. All right, James. NFL media insider Ian Rappaport reported initially he broke the news that Pierre Paul suffered a hand injury last Saturday night, attempting to light fireworks and blow himself up at his home in South Florida. This is a pretty ordinary move on his part.
1: Well, he's just been given his franchise tag. He had a big offer on the table from them, which they've now taken away from him. The the biggest thing we don't know, we don't know what his injuries are yet. No one seems to know.
0: Initially, there were reports that fingers were hanging off and all all sorts of stuff. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So I, I, don't, I think it's hard to react to this until we know what the injury is, but I, I've had I've heard some pretty good information that there's some sort of tendon damage. Now, as a guy who's had tendon damage before, it's going to be difficult for him to come back if that's the case. Uh, I think you'll see him sign his tender pretty quick. He won't wait for a long-term deal.
0: This is the end of his New York career, if you ask me. He'll sign his tender. He'll play this year. As, maybe. Uh, yeah, maybe. He'll certainly sign it, though, and get yeah. his money. Yep. Um, but I think this is the kind of thing that the Giants organisation hate. Yeah, and if you've they seen put up with his this.
1: Instagram or his uh, Twitter, it's not the first shenanigan he's got up to. You know, his big U-Haul truck of fireworks. Yeah, exactly
0: right. He's posting pictures on Instagram of a U-Haul truck full of fireworks. Yeah,
1: so this isn't the first incident they've had with him. There has been talks about what kind of a leader he is and what kind of a influence he is on players in the locker room. So you, you could definitely be right there. I, I think the fact that we don't know what his injuries are yet are making me think it's something pretty severe. Who knows? He could be missing fingers. Nobody knows, but the Giants and him and his family, obviously.
0: Well, the Giants don't because he skipped the. Oh, he didn't even turn with up the, with the doctor, the doctor,
1: which makes me think you know maybe he's really trying to hide what's happened. He could like who knows? It could be career-ending. We don't know what he's
0: done. If he's lost five fingers on his hand. He's not going to be playing defensive anytime soon. And in the continuing style of bad newses, which is the only news you get in the off season, yeah. um, Green Bay Packers tight end Andrew Quarles was arrested at 5:35 a.m. on a Saturday for discharging a firearm multiple times and then trying to hide it in a pot plant. Yeah, I have
1: one thing to say on this. What an idiot. What are you doing yeah. at five
0: in the morning? I can clearly, tell you I know what he's doing. Well, clearly intoxicated, yeah. but discharging a firearm, it's crazy. Now, he's been charged with misdemeanor, discharge of a firearm in public by the Miami P- Miami Beach PD. Uh, he was getting such good press from um, Aaron Rodgers, from the Packers organization, saying he'd had such a good offseason, such a good camp. Um we talked about him the other week. This is just idiocy. it's disappointing. It's and, and Green Bay have said they won't cut him,
1: which actually surprises me because Green Bay are normally pretty pretty cut and dry when it comes to this kind of you know idiocy. Yep. Uh, I'm surprised they're not going to cut him, but they must think. You know, in saying that, maybe there's something more to it that we don't know. But all we know is he's been arrested for shooting a gun twice in the air and trying to hide it. So we'll see what what,
0: what comes of it. As we said, continuing in the bad news, the NFL announced... Suspension week. Force, it is suspension week. <laughs> Not the two we want to get the result to, but no. here's a bunch more. Uh, rapid fire, there are a few of them. Antonio Gates charges tight end four games for performance-enhancing drugs. Note, performance-enhancing. Sheldon Steroids. Richardson. Jets D. lineman. He was a uh, defensive rookie of the year in 2013. Four games, substance abuse policy. Renan... Roland oh. Rolando. Part of me. Rolando McLean, Dallas Cowboys linebacker, four games, substance abuse policy, and Dante Jones, Packers, defensive end, one game. I want to quickly point out for people the difference. Antonio Gates, performance enhancing, he says it was a substance. He took full
1: responsibility for it. Yep. and He is a pro.
0: He's never been caught
1: before. He's basically said I've I didn't read over what I was taking yep. properly and he's been caught out. He's copped it on the chin. There's clearly something in it. Yep. Now And that yep. was only for this year. It wasn't last year. He hasn't it hasn't people are gonna say, Oh, that's why he was so good last year. Not at all. It's just for this
0: year and he, he's copped it on the chin pretty well. Yeah, I'm inclined to agree. The other two, substance abuse what a lot of people don't realise in the NFL is to get suspended for substance abuse, it's your fourth time up. Yep. The first one, they literally brush under the carpet. Mm -hmm. You're given a little wrap on the knuckles. The second one, you get a fine which isn't announced. You then go into the testing policy where you can be tested at any time during the year and they've been popped again. They think most of these two are probably um, for marijuana, which is legal in a whole bunch of states, but still not in the NFL. They only test for marijuana Two months of the year in the NFL, yep. you've just got to stay away from it for two months. The rest of the time, you can go nuts, enjoy it, blaze up. Exactly. To get caught the first time, to get into the program, to then go on to be caught in these subs- you know, these ongoing times, See, this is just crazy. Yeah, exactly. And
1: it's a real red flag for Orlando McLean because everyone thought he kind of got over that part of his life last year. He cleaned year, it up. But he he clearly hasn't. And, you know, it, it is a red flag, and you can think the Cowboys are thinking, oh, we're only, lucky they only gave him a one-year deal, which all of a sudden makes that contract look pretty nice, and I think a lot of NFL teams are going, phew, because we had five-year
0: offers on the table for him. Yeah. So what's the message for the kids, James? Don't do drugs. Agreed. And coming up next, we will speak to NFL punting superstar Tom Hornsey. So excited. <laughs> Welcome back to the SEN NFL Podcast. As promised in the intro, a big interview with Tom Hornsey. Kid out of Geelong, found his way to Memphis. 2013 Ray Guy Award winner, Consensus All-American, now Dallas Cowboy. Tom, welcome to the studio. Uh, thanks for having me. No, thank you very much for coming in. I'm sure you've noticed James over in the corner there. He's fully decked out, head to toe in all his Dallas gear, being a complete homer. If he's just getting a bit too close to you, man, just push him away. He'll, he'll be fine. I will be. Um, <laughs> first question we've got, how does a young kid from Geelong find his way to Memphis University?
2: Uh, yeah, it started, I think it's 2009. I got a letter from Nathan Chapman, who runs Pro Kick Australia. Uh, he just said, come up and have a punt and see if you can kind of try your luck in American football. So I did that and... I was good enough on the first day, and he said, look, you really need to do this for kind of a career. So, uh, yeah, I put my mind to it and trained with him and then uh, sent out, like, a YouTube video with him, and he knew a few coaches in America. And Memphis was one of them, and they uh, recruited me, so I went on a visit, and, yeah, it was a good school, so I committed.
0: And I think it's fair to say that uh, Nathan's reputation now is higher than ever. You were one of his earlier ones who really yep. started to make it, but um, he's almost created a pipeline now. Yeah. And you see... Um, player after player after player. You've got um, yeah, one of you guys, Jordan Berry's over in the US as well. How much do you guys talk to each other and um, still get together and work out when you're back in Australia?
2: Yeah, we talk to each other a bit. Uh, it was through message, obviously. We've got different schedules, just he's with the Steelers, obviously. So, we talk to a bit and just see how each other's going and the experiences that we're having um, and if anything we can kind of help each other with, we'll, we'll send through a message. But it really is a credit to Nathan's uh, coaching and kind of the technique he installs in the players to allow that transition from AFL to NFL or college football so um, yeah but we stay in contact with everybody and it's kind of a good little family knit that um, we can kind of rely on.
0: Yeah and I think um, having someone like yourself when you're back in Australia going back down still working out with him for the the younger guys who are still there um, trying to get a similar opportunity you did um, getting to work out with you I think would be something that would be very positive for him.
2: Yeah, it's been good. It's even helped me a little bit just by teaching them and trying to help out them. It kind of reinstalls what I need to do myself. So yeah, I've been up to come up to Melbourne a few times each week and work with the younger guys and work with Nathan. And um, yeah, it's a it's a good thing that you're part of that group and you can always kind of come back and
0: train with them. So you arrive on campus in Memphis, I imagine completely out of your depth, out of your element. Um, how did you find that transition from uh, playing Aussie Rules here and arriving at Memphis
2: yeah it was a big change uh, I suppose I had one thing on my side that I was new to it and the coaches knew that so I got a little bit of leeway but it was um it was definitely a big shock and uh something I had to kind of get up to speed really quickly because we pretty much started a couple of days after I arrived so um it was a bit of a whirlwind but I got settled with the team everyone was great with me and they kind of helped me along and helped me around Memphis so I fitted in nicely and um yeah it kind of started like that and it was all good
1: Tom, did you find that uh, anything from your AFL career helped you once you got to college? Um, obviously, punters in, the, in America, they're just guys that only kick the ball, but you've come from quite an athletic background and were a pretty handy footballer. Did that help you in any way in college?
2: Yeah, it did. I suppose one thing that the coaches always said is I had a pretty hard work ethic, and that was pretty much installed from playing Australian football and just putting in the training hours for that. So that's one thing that helped me. And also, just the like doing a drop pun and something like doing a any kind of punting style, kicking—it's something I grew up doing, so it was kind of natural. So, to um, to me, yeah, like I said, it came natural, and it was easy in the game for me to do a drop punt and kind of get away with that. And it was just something comfortable. So, having that really did make me ease into the yeah. in college football and
1: as they call it, the pooch punt pooch in America. Punt, yeah, the pooch punt, yeah. I don't know why. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the that, pooch that, punt. You, you got to find a better name for it. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. Um, I think what what a lot of especially NFL fancings, don't realize is the student-athlete life. Um, What did you study when you were at Memphis?
2: Yeah, I studied exercise, sport
0: science. Um, Yeah. So each day and as you're going through your life, you've got uh, film study, practice, class, exams come up, all that. How do you balance that lifestyle?
2: Yeah, it's pretty tough. It's pretty exhausting to do it, uh, especially in different parts of the season. The good thing with Memphis and I guess all colleges around America is they have academic advisors that... um, choose your classes for you and kind of set your schedule so uh, football and school doesn't collide. But you're up early every morning, like I say 6, Like you'd be doing either training or having to go to like a study hall or class type deal. Um, and then you finish late at night depending on, like I said, what part of the season. So it does get pretty exhausting and you kind of just get into a groove that makes it easy. But every time you have that holiday break or that little bit of time off, it, you really realise how much work you've kind of just put in because... You just, yeah, you're always kind of doing something.
0: Yeah, and were you taking... I know um, a lot of people take classes in the summer, especially yep. when they're at college to try and catch up or yep. lessen their load. Were you doing that sort of work as well?
2: Yeah, every summer I took classes. and it, it, By NCAA law, you have to take classes if you want to be working out at, at the school, so it's just kind of a regulation. So I took my classes in summer, so it's pretty much year-round I'm doing schoolwork and being able to also be in the football program and trying to get stronger and work on punting, so things like that. So it's a a year-round deal,
0: and you've got that uh, travel element as well. Yeah. I mean, Memphis—I um, know for a long time they were in Conference USA, and I think your last year they were in the American yeah, Conference, correct? Right? Athletic, right. right? Yep. Um, so they really travel. There's some pretty spread-out conferences, rather yep. than some of the, um, say, the Pac-12, for example, which is up and down the, the West Coast. Yep. When do you guys start leaving in, um, for away trips and things like that?
2: Well, our schedule. No matter if you're at home or if you're away, uh, you. are you, the whole the Friday beforehand, you do a little walkthrough in the morning, so just do a little um, technique work for the, the whole team. And then you either go onto the bus to go to the hotel in Memphis or you go to the bus to go to the um, airport. And everything's like I'm a police escort and you're kind of getting luxury treated. So the flying didn't really take it out of you that much because you're on a chartered plane and you get all your food and things like that. Um and really, no matter where you're at, all you do is you see a hotel room, you see the stadium, get back into the bus, get to the plane, and then fly back to Memphis
0: yeah, so on a sad
2: day. So it's really just bang, bang. and
0: No sightseeing on the Sunday, no, getting around the town? No, nah, <laughs> you
2: don't get to do that. It would have been nice. Like I've been to a lot of, lot of cities and that through football, but haven't really seen any of them other than just on the bus driving through them. So um, it's really, a, in one way, it's pretty professional in how they operate, and you really, it's pretty quick. They like, take care of business
0: type deal. Um, We'll take you sort of from your your college life into the NFL. You finished the year in 2013 as the Ray Guy winner. And for those who don't know, um, that's the best punter in in college for the year. Um, You're a consensus All-American. The draft uh, comes and goes undrafted. Um, If the number one D-end quarterback, any other position went undrafted, it'd be a monumental shock but as James and I were discussing on the way in, that can happen to punters and can to kickers really easily. Um, when you got through that process, what was going through your mind when you to think, okay, what do I do now?
2: Yeah, a little bit. Uh, the thing with punting, there's only 32 positions in yep. the whole world. So you're really only fighting for that one spot. So to go undrafted, like you said, is not uncommon. Uh, I really just, I suppose coming out of 2013, um, I learned a lot of lessons coming into my mini camp and even. Uh, getting signed to Dallas. I learned a lot of lessons and realised I needed to be better than what I was. Um, College was good and I had a good career there but uh, I saw where I could get to uh, and I wasn't there at that stage so I knew I had to do a lot of work and that pretty much took my focus to all right, I want to get better and trying to gain more experience for the next coming years so I can get that roster spot and be comfortable in my position.
1: So you you head to the New York Jets rookie mini camp and then eventually you make your way to the greatest team in the NFL, the Dallas Cowboys. Yep. What's the jump-up like coming from a college aspect into the pro system? They, how much faster is it? How much better are the players? What, what kind of a up, jump-up is it?
2: Yeah, it's a huge jump. Uh, just even the professionalism of the organisations, uh, they're really pretty much cutthroat and straight at you, like this is what you need to do, and you need to do it when it's your turn. So there's no room for error. you got to be on your game every day. Um, and in saying that, they got an organisation like the Dallas Cowboys it's a massive operation but it's really a place where you go to work and you get better it's, there's no room for error like I said so it's a huge jump from college um, you don't get babied anymore you haven't got coaches getting on to you um, about schooling or anything but you got coaches getting on to you because you need to do your job otherwise they'll bring somebody else next day so um, huge jump and Yeah, it's a different experience.
1: Absolutely. So then you you go and have a couple of – you had a really good preseason with Dallas as well, average over 50, and I'm saying I watched them. So I know you you had a really good preseason. How disappointed was it when you were cut, and and how did that process happen?
2: Yeah, it was disappointing. Uh, I knew that by the time I came to Dallas, it was pretty late into the preseasons and into camp. So my time at Dallas was – I kind of needed to use that as an experience tool. And I kind of realised at the time that, look, I've come this late into preseason. They're probably not going to make a change right there and then. Uh, so, but coming out of it, once I got it released, I was thinking other teams have seen what I've done. Hopefully, I'll be a better chance to get workouts and have a look to play in that season. Yep. Um, but the, la- the longer it went on, I realised that the big issue was my NFL experience and that, yeah, I played three pre- or two pre- pre- preseason games, but. I hadn't played an NFL season game, so it was one of those things that I just needed to keep working at, like I said before, and get better and um, bide my time till next preseason and try to, yeah, make a spot.
0: Absolutely. And you had a couple of tryouts, um, yep. one with the Buccaneers and one with the Steelers during that 2014 season. How do they work? Do you just get flown in for the day, you do a few punts, and you go home? Is that really what they look for? That, that,
2: that pretty much is that's what it is. Yeah. So for the Tampa, Tampa Bay one got flown in, um, spent the night in a hotel. Like I was actually at the airport, and then the next day um, got a bus to the facility and just did sets of punting. There was three other guys there. Um, And, yeah, just put your best foot forward and try to get your best punts. It's really a a different situation. It's kind of hard to judge. A lot of teams look for different things. A lot of coaches look for different things, and you never know what, unless you ask or they kind of let you on, what they're looking for. So, like the Tampa... um, Session, I thought I went really well. I was pretty, really consistent. That's one thing I was trying to work on from college, um, but I didn't hit that really big ball. Like they, I didn't. I just kind of went for consistency, kind of even playing where they they were looking for that big leg. That some of just ball, bomb one down, bomb field. one. It no matter what happened in the next ball, they just wanted to see that leg. So I didn't show that, and yeah, got looked over. But they also know that I can be consistent. So. A lot of teams bring you in not knowing, like maybe not they have no intention to sign you on the spot. Then they just want to look at you and they have that ability to do that. So yeah, and same thing with Pittsburgh. I didn't obviously get that position, but they got to see me and look at what I do, and um, I thought I punted well at Pittsburgh as well. So it's just one of those things that in the back of those the minds of the coaches that he can can do it. So
0: creating a bit of a reputation for yeah, yourself correct, around yeah. the NFL, and yep. and you have that horrible balance. Yeah, where do you stay when all this is going on? Yeah, you know, your life must be in total flux as you're sitting there thinking oh, what might be next when will the phone ring
2: it is I've made a be- uh, base in Memphis so uh, I was renting an apartment and uh, doing all my training there University of Memphis allowed me to stay at the college and use their fields and weight room so I was always in kind of a program I wasn't with the team but I always felt like I was a part of a football team if that makes sense so I was doing that and yeah I'm on to my agent every day pretty much every Sunday he's probably getting sick of me just saying look this punter did that. That punter did that. I think there's a spot. <laughs> give him a call. Pretty much, give him a call. Like I was kind of ruthless in what I wanted. I was just checking the scores, doing everything, and yeah, it's just one of those things that you just got to stay on top of it and kind of not get down. There's a few times I'm thinking, "Gee, is this ever going to happen?" But it really is a process and something you just got to kind of live with and go through. And yeah.
0: So, come February this year, like a lot of other Australian punters have gone through the system you get the call from Dallas to sign on, they give you the full opportunity of a full pre-season. That had to feel fantastic when you got that phone call come through.
2: Yeah, it was a, it was a weight off my shoulders. I was talking to one of the scouts there, um, really just trying to push hard. And, and if that was a funny thing, like sometimes coaches aren't there and you're trying to talk to them and you, you, you're you expecting things to happen a lot sooner than they are. So um, it took a little bit of time and you see other people get signed and they're doing this and that and you think, why isn't it my turn yet? Like I did well last year, why aren't I getting signed? But... Like I said, there's a process, and yeah, once I finally got that call, it was a big relief, and I knew I could put all my efforts into Dallas.
0: Yep.
1: What's it like? The competition between you and fellow punter Chris Jones—is it all business, or are you friendly with each other and help each other out? How, how does that work?
2: We are actually pretty friendly. Like a lot of people think that'd be not bit spite, ruthless, a bit ruthless. Yeah, but it's not like he helps me out, like and I help him out as much as I can. So like we play golf together when we have off time, and there's yep. a lot of things. So we've kind of built a friendship and. You can't have any room for bad feelings towards each other while you're going through this. There's a lot of things we do together. We're with each other every day. So you can't have that bad blood between each other. We help each other and realise that this is a tough business. We're both going through it. Um, let's get better and try to do the best we can. So it's it's a good relationship.
1: Yep. and could you, for everyone who dreams of being involved in the NFL, much like me and Richard, can you give us a day in the life of an NFL punter at training camp?
2: At training camp, Yep. so... This will be in California, yep what I did last year. So you wake up pretty early, you got um you obviously have breakfast with the team, they have a, the full platter and everything so you can do you you get, sit
1: with Des and just hang out and talk uh, about- as as a rookie I
2: didn't do that. <laughs> no? Um, okay. nah, he was all. they're always in there. You get to see everybody and you try to you don't want to make too many waves, so you mm-hmm. kinda of just keep by yourself. Specialists have a pretty tight knit group so we kinda of hang out with them. So yeah, you have your breakfast and then you go into meetings, so you'll do like an hour of meetings and go through all your film and just look at different things that the coaches are trying to coach you on. And then you get, have to get a lift in, so you go for a lift in the weight room. They they have all, the, all set up, so you do that. And then you go into your practice, which will have a walk through first. Mm-hmm. So you go, no pads or anything on, you just kind of go into all your setups and all your schemes, and you just walk through the, the plays. And then after that, you go into your practice. So you'll have, they have script practices that will last probably two to three hours um, and then, yeah, after that, you get, your, get in getting showers and then finish up and go for more meetings, another two hours of meetings, let's say, and then a team meeting and then dinner and then whatever the coach is playing. There could be more meetings, watching more film.
1: So it's a pretty full-on
0: day.
2: Pretty full-on day. You start early in the morning, you finish late at night. It's pretty much based on football, but, um, yeah, they look after you in the same, same respect. Yeah. Beautiful. Is
0: it rinse-repeat? Like, is that the, the next day, next day, next day? Does it almost get that monotonous feel to it? It
2: really is, yeah. So they do give you days off here and there, but it's when you go into a camp, it's pretty much lockdown. Same thing was in college. You go into camp, you're locked down. You pretty much have no experience of the outside world for that, that period of time. You're just all in football trying to learn and get better. And, yeah, it's a really good ch- chance to bond with the team and make it a good football team. So that's what they use it as.
0: Yeah, and I think, um, especially people who, who are new to listening to us and understanding that camp process. Um, and if you have a bit of a look at Hard Knocks, everyone who's listening, it gives you a real insight into it. Um, but you see things changing all the time. So Some people could get cut. The person who's next to you in their locker room could be gone the next day. Um, it really can be a ruthless industry.
2: It is, yeah. And even just we went through OTAs just before I came home and you could be having dinner with the guy, which I did. I was having dinner with one of the teammates and the next day you got the tap on the shoulder and he was out and you guy in. <laughs> guy sitting next to me in my locker there's two guys went through that locker bay so it really is ruthless and uh you got to do your job and make sure it every day so there's no no relaxing you're there to get better and make sure you are getting better and learning and you don't get too many opportunities so
0: yeah i think a a lot of people might not realize is it's not like uh, afl or the nba or anything like that where there's guaranteed contracts yep. yeah if if the head office, uh, the front office, sorry, uh, think, yep, we need to make a change or make a move here, we need a roster spot for this or that. They just find the person on the bottom of that totem pole and they're gone the next day.
2: Definitely. I I signed a two-year contract, but any point in time I could be back in Memphis or wherever without a job. So it's the same with any person. Maybe the highest up that do have the big contracts and the guaranteed money, it's got job security, but for 95% of the team it's really cutthroat and it's you could be gone the next day you never really know what's happening so um, yeah make sure you're doing the right thing.
0: So how much longer do you to enjoy this uh, Melbourne winter for before you're headed back?
2: (laughs) Well I head back the 24th so um, head back the 24th and go into training camp the 28th of July so
0: yeah got a little bit more time left but Excellent. Yep. So while you're out here, I think a lot of people have seen Cam Newton's in town. Yep. Um, so you gave him a quick call and hung out the other way, gra- grabbed a beer or something?
2: Yeah, don't have his number. and I guarantee you wouldn't know who I am. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: don't know. say yourself
1: short, Tom. Yeah. I'm sure he would.
0: No, nah, I do um, I think another you know, thing, certainly for punters, you see videos of punt returners <clears throat> trying to catch six balls and things like that. Does yep. that just piss you off? Like people are just trying to be smart asses
2: a little bit but majority of the times they can't do it so that kind of gives, that gives you the win so uh there definitely are some talented punt returners and you've got to be careful of them and when they start showing off it gets even worse but yeah
0: I mean do you try to kick them differently or try and drop them or just kick them a bit to the side make life a little harder on them
2: yeah and one thing I've learned is like if you do an Australian banana kick even though I wouldn't necessarily do it all the time in a game I would um, throw that out there and it's hard from the cat so that usually throws a spanner especially to
0: try and balance three other ones yeah, at the same time
1: I think we want to get into our minute of mayhem. Uh There's some hard-hitting questions in here. I'll start it off. We'll just be jumping through a question each at a time, answer them as best you can. Quick answers? Yeah, quick answers. Now, for all the ladies out there, are you single? Or like JJ Watt, do you not want to be tied down?
2: I have a girlfriend of about nine years, so...
0: Sorry, ladies, that's it. Um, Now, I went deep into your career record. You had a 61-yard completion. How did that not end in a touchdown?
2: He got tackled on the five-yard line. Oh, that's brutal. Yeah, he's, that's the same guy has done that like three times for Memphis, but it was a little dump pass, and he took it for a long time, a long way, so it was
1: good. Okay, who's the most annoying player on the Dallas Cowboys team? Or person, he can be a coach, or a GM, or an owner, I don't mind.
0: It's yeah, so your coach, had, that gets us on NFL.com. Can I pass? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can yeah. pass. If you're walking down the hallway and Jerry Jones is coming the other way, is he saying, g'day, Tom? Or is he walking straight past? Pretty
2: intimidating. i probably have my head down,
0: just kind of go past. So <laughs> um,
2: I'll, give, I'll, I'll give him a little head nod. Um, and yeah, he's a pretty friendly person, so he'd probably say hello.
1: What, after a big win in college, what are the parties like?
2: Uh, yeah, they're not bad. Uh, I kind of kept out of them, kind of kept myself on the straight and narrow to focus on football because we had practice the next day anyway. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, Memphis can throw a good party.
0: That's yeah. good. Good to hear. Who's your locker room next to? Oh, sorry. Who's your locker next to in the Dallas Cowboys? Cowboys. I
2: got Brandon Carr to the right of me, and Brandon. Yeah, and then to Look the how l-
0: excited James. Is. Carefully,
1: he might not be there much
0: longer. <laughs>
2: yeah, um, and then to the left of me, it is. It actually changed. I'm not sure.
1: Yeah, someone new.
0: Someone new. It's ruthless out there. Yep.
1: It is. It's tough. Now, my final question: Do you have a nickname?
2: I don't actually. They don't really, they give me Hornsy, but
1: that's about it. Well, I, I've come up with, I'm a bit of a nickname guru. Yep. Do you like Devil? As in the Hornsy Devil? I'll
2: tell you that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah? yeah, we can do that. Beautiful. So Beautiful. Bad.
1: It's well done. I'll, um, I'll tweet Dez and, and Romo on that later and, and let them know that that's your new nickname and they can that. spread it around the yeah, club. They can let my name. Beautiful.
0: Yep. <laughs> All right, absolute last thing. James and myself are headed off to the U.S. later this year at different times. We're both going to be traveling through Dallas. So when you do make the roster, Queen mooch, sleep on your couch, you know, just hang out, get us tickets, things like that?
2: Definitely. I'll give you the tour. It'll be good. Uh,
0: you're,
1: you're the man, Tom.
0: Yeah. Fantastic. Look, Tom, thank you so much for your time putting up with our really silly questions. I know our listeners really appreciate it. We certainly really appreciate it. Good luck this year. Good luck with training camp as it comes up. Um, I'm sure you got every opportunity to make the roster and everyone here at the SCNFL podcast is rooting for you to make the team. Thank you. Appreciate Thanks it. Thanks a All lot, Tom.
1: Legend. You.
0: Last week, we took a look at the NFC North. It's time now to take a look at the AFC North. Last year... Pittsburgh Steelers won the division, finished 11-5. and They had a four-game winning streak finishing off the season. Head coach Mike Tomlin and quarterback Big Ben Roethlisberger. How do you see them going, mate? Look, obviously that they lost a few
1: players. The big one was defensive end Jason Worlds, who retired for what's now known as religious reasons. Um, didn't bring a lot in. D'Angelo Williams has come in to share time with... Uh, Levian Bell and start the first three games as he is suspended, suspended. so look the offense is loaded Levian Bell's a gun when he gets back they're going to be great again Ben is an elite quarterback a very it sounds silly but he's so underrated I think in this league their O-line's top notch they've got a couple of great young receivers in uh, Wheaton and Matavius Bryant who was the guy we were trying to think of a couple of weeks yep. ago and Brown and, and Antonio Brown obviously um, Heath Miller's still a great tight end my concern for them is defensively. They're relying on a lot of youth. You've got Bud Dupree, rookie linebacker. Um, Jarvis Jones needs to step up going into his third year. And Ryan Chazy is starting at middle linebacker after having a pretty bit of a letdown of a rookie season. They're not great on the back end. Again, another guy, Shaq Thomas, is starting at safety not a lot of experience in the NFL, and Mike Mitchell, who's getting older and hasn't really shown a lot in the past, that's my concern. They're going to need that defense to play pretty well to go all the way, um, unlike last year where they got into the playoffs and, and lost.
0: Yeah, I think that secondary, the safeties are probably the biggest concern. Yeah, um, The corners aren't, you know... Uh, not terrible. They're not getting you super excited, but no. at the same time, you're not panicking either. Um, they've got... Um, obviously Hayward up front and Harrison who'll come off the edge but the rest aren't Harrison's so old though but he's still going to give you good production he's going to give you a pass rush and that's that, that's what you need from that position but as you mentioned there's a lot of holes unknowns yep. on that defence I'm certainly with you on the offence I mean they're loaded it's a really good O-line as well um, I think there's plenty there has proven he can get it done yep I really think they're going to be good this year. Um, I mentioned in our season totals, odds, I really like they're over. I think they're going to be a really good team. Um, but as you mentioned, the concerns are on defense.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think, yeah, they'll be a good team, but the defense will hold them back. And that's that's my concern. Look, I have them finishing 10-6. and 6. I think they'll drop a game. Uh, And I think that'll come because Le'Veon Bell missed in the first three games. Yeah, that'll hurt. That'll hurt them. I think they'll be a similar team than last year. They'll make the playoffs, but they'll struggle to go that extra mile because they just don't have the firepower on defense like they used to.
0: Cincinnati Bengals, second in the division. They finished 10-5 that amazing draw. Uh, They made the playoffs. Head coach, Marvin Lewis, quarterback, Andy Dalton, one of my frogs. They're they seem pretty content with their roster. If you look at their offseason moves, it really kind of thinks like, you know, we're okay here. they yeah. got, they got a lot of stock in their own people, but I think it is a pivotal year for that coaching staff, Andy Dalton as well, and they're going with pretty much what they've got. Um, they added Michael Johnson from Tampa. They added AJ Hawk for a little bit of depth. Um, they re-signed um, Clint Bowling, which is important, and Ray Luga. They drafted O. Lyman, yeah, with their first couple of picks, which upset Whit- Whitworth. Yeah, he didn't like that much. No, um, but as we always say, uh, personally, I think it's all about the quarterback and building from the outside. Uh, sorry, from the inside out with any team line, running back, D line, then work your way out. Yeah,
1: I think they've made some good moves there. A couple of good backs as well, Jeremy Hill and Joe Bernard, a very dynamic, good one-two punch.
0: Absolutely, and. As I mentioned off the top, they're pretty set on their roster this year. Yeah, absolutely. They're going to roll with what they've got. Look, they've got some good receivers for Andy Dalton. Obviously, AJ Green's elite, but they've got Jones and Sanu there as well. Um, Iford, who I think can really come along. Yep. Um, Really good on the D-line. I think they're very good on defense, except for a couple little places. If A.J. Hawk has to start, that might be a bit of a concern.
1: And Maluga is really a downhill, as I like to call him, a banger of a middle linebacker. He's going yep. to stop the run, but he cannot cover.
0: No, so so you go out of your way not to ask him to do that. Well,
1: Hawk will probably be their nickel linebacker. He's known for being a
0: great coverage yep. guy. I think the Bengals will do pretty much what they always do. They're going to make the playoffs out in straight sets, and that will leave a lot of question marks over that coaching staff. Yep. And over that personnel. Baltimore Ravens finished 10 and 6. Um, made the playoffs as well. Head coach John Harbour, quarterback Joe Flacco. How do you see them shaping up?
1: Well, this is another team where if their offensive line continues to dominate like it did last year, they are very, very good on the O line. Eugene Munro, Osamele, Zuta, Yanda, and Wagner are all outstanding offensive linemen. They have. I think he cops a bit of flack, Joe Flacco. Oh, he,
0: he got he got that big contract after the Super yeah, Bowl. Yeah,
1: but he won him a Super Bowl. So how many quarterbacks do that? There's, there's, Not many. Exactly. So I think he's pretty good. I think Forsett and the rookie Allen will become a really good one-two punch. Allen's more of a powerful one-cut type of runner, whereas Forsett's a, a dodge-and-weave kind of guy, a bit of a scat back. They went early in the draft on skill positions, took Perryman at wide receiver, tight end Max Williams. They'll both start. Exactly. They are clearly trying to give Flacco as many weapons. You've got the old veteran in Steve Smith. I think the dynamic on offense is pretty good. I think you'll find they'll be a really good running team again with a few more weapons. Perryman's obviously coming to replace Torrey Smith as that burner. On defense, though, they just don't have many holes. On paper, that is. Their linebacking starters are up there with the best in the league. Uh, Mosley's coming off an outstanding rookie year. Their corners are great. They've got Arrington, who's just come over from the Patriots. Timmy Jernigan and Brandon Williams on the inside allowed them to get rid of Haloti Nada, so that explains what kind of players they are. Terrell Suggs, uh, they're going to use Dumerville as a pass rusher.
0: It'll be an interesting role for him. He's
1: not even starting. No. They're, just, they're going to use Upshaw to stop the run, who's a good player in his own right, and then bring on Elvis Toomville just to pass rush bounce. with Terrell Suggs. It's, it's a pretty good dynamic they've got going there on defense.
0: Well, they traditionally spend early draft picks and first-round draft picks on defense. Yeah. They've been doing it for a long time, so it's not a surprise that defense is loaded. And then this year, to switch tact a little bit, jump onto the offensive side of the ball, add some um, playmakers uh, for Flacco... I get the funny feeling you're probably thinking they're going to improve.
1: I absolutely do. I, I, th- I actually think they're going to have a really good year. I think they're going to be the top team in the AFC. I think they're going to be 12-4. and 4. That's Whoa. how I have them. So, I think that's going to win two more games than last year, I think. Yep, two more. Sorry. Yeah, yep. two, two more games from last year. I think they're a very good team. That's how I see them. I think they'll, they'll win the division.
0: Um, it'll be them and the Steelers. Yes. For mine. Yep. Um, and... I don't see any reason. You'd probably give the slight edge now to Baltimore because of the defense. Yes. If those rookie skilled guys come on, like we hope they will, if they have ho-hum years, their offense will probably be similar to what it was last year. But if they can get some good production out of them, yep. that that offense could be really good. It could
1: be outstanding. Plus, Dennis Pitter, if he gets himself healthy, he's a dynamic tight end to go along with Max Williams.
0: Bringing up the rear in the AFC North was the Cleveland Browns, 7-9 last year. They finished on a five-game skid. They actually started the season pretty well. Really well, yeah. Uh, head coach Mike Petton, and they'll be quarterbacked uh, by somebody, probably <laughs> Josh McCown. He took a new deal. It was about $5 million a season. That's crazy money for somebody like that. He'll obviously battle with Johnny Manziel. They're doing all the talk like McCown will start. I don't necessarily think that's... Going to help them a whole lot. They, you know, got him a target in Brian Hartline. And if you can't make it in Miami, you're probably not going to make it anywhere. No. Um, they had a defensive tackle, Randy Starks, along with corner um, Tremon Williams. And they lost uh, starting corner uh, Buster Skiri and tight end Jordan Cameron, which I think is a bit of a loss. When you look at their draft, though, they paid a lot of attention to the O line. Yeah. D-line and running back. It's my classic, I love that inside-out way of building strength, your team. It's their strength, yeah, They've built that strength. So they've added a nose tackle, added a, a center, although Cameron Irving can probably play anywhere on the line. He, he, played, he played everywhere in college. So yep.
1: he'll be um, their, their swing man, which not many guys have a swing man that can play every position.
0: Yes, he might find himself starting relatively quickly. Also got um, Duke Johnson was the running back they added as well. Is he? He's
1: pretty electric, is he? He's a fast runner.
0: Yeah, and he's going to give them something they probably don't really have. They're not exactly loaded at running back.
1: Well, West and um, Crowell had really good years last year, but the problem they had where they were both similar runners. They're both that one-cut power type of guy. They brought in Johnson, my understanding is, to be more of a, a scat back and a guy that can, when he gets the ball, he can go.
0: He'll slot right in. Yeah. I think West will probably get the one and two down carries and um, – Johnson will be seen as the the guy who gives you a bit of a change of pace, gives yep. you something a little bit different, because you're right, I think um, West Cromwell are pretty similar. Um, their O-line is sneaky good. Yeah, it is. It's, it's really good. Like, now,
1: I, I think Schwartz at right tackle, I think pro football focus rate him a little bit too high. I think you may see Cam Irving maybe push him out of
0: his spot. I reckon Irving's probably suited better to the interior Inside, of the line rather than, rather than out there. Because
1: their inside's fantastic because Joe Batonio had other than the guard from Dallas, whose name's slipping my mind right now, he had the best rookie year as an O-line had a really good year, and Greco's a gun, and Alex Mack is one of the top centers in the NFL, and, and no one's touching Joe Thomas. No, nah, he's a superstar. So the- I just don't see where Irving's going to fit in other than being that swing man.
0: And it's interesting. You've got that good O-line there. You've addressed a little bit with your running backs, but I just don't know who McCown or Manziel by halfway through the year. Yeah. Is going to throw to. I mean, B- this is my Dwayne concern. They've brought over yeah. and They've Hartline. brought nothing
1: exciting over. Dwayne Bowe, Hartline, you know, Barnage is there at tight end. He's not an electric player. Same with the defense. You know, Tremont Williams had a great career in Green Bay, but he's lost a step now. They didn't bring any explosiveness into this team, and that's what they lacked last year. They lacked a guy that would take the game by the scruff of the neck and win it. And they yeah. don't have that at quarterback like a lot of good teams do. If you don't have it at quarterback, you need it at skill position, running back, receiver, tight end. You need that guy that's going to just take over the game when you need it. I don't think they have that. I think that's going to hurt them in the season. Yeah. Look, the, and
0: the D's improving. The D's quite good. W- when you look at the rest of the AFC North, you've got Joe Hayden to play on anybody. Yeah. So he, he can take a guy away. He is that good. He's very good. Um, and the, even their other corner... Um, or the
1: or, or Williams both the Williams are pretty good Justin Gilbert are, are early number one draft pick last year the talk is that he's he's really improving and looked at him have a big second year but they do have a lot of good corners
0: yeah and even at the back um, adding Whitner,
1: Gibson was second in the league in interceptions last year Whitner will hammer you if you catch the ball that's yeah. always in their mind that he's coming
0: but he's also going to help that run defense as yep. well he'll play downhill I reckon they'll line him up in the box quite a bit as well yep But the hardest thing for the Cleveland Browns is, one, who knows with their quarterback, and, two, they play in the AFC North. God, I
1: hope it's Johnny.
0: I kind of do, too. I want to
1: see that money sign, and I want to see him running in. Party,
0: Party boy Johnny.
1: I really hope for Cleveland Browns fans that they just get some luck at quarterback. You know, even if he turns out to be a, a Tannehill type player, that's a huge win for them, and they I think any Browns fan would take that right now. Yeah, they just need some sort of hope because you throw a half decent quarterback or you know a dynamic quarterback like Johnny Manziel could be. The sky's the limit for this team.
0: Yeah, and right now though, it's not the limit now because no. the quarterback's not set. No. I think if they can do seven and nine again, They'd they, be very they should be happy with it. Um, I, I I have them at eight and eight
1: with a question mark. So basically, yeah. they're going to be last in the division because the division's so good. But i I don't see them doing any better than that.
0: Yeah, and, and crazy—they've often got a good record against those other yeah NFC North teams. So, have you got the North finishing, mate? I
1: have Baltimore, Pittsburgh, Cincinnati,
0: and Cleveland. Yeah, I'm going to go Pittsburgh, Baltimore. I reckon Cincinnati and. Cleveland could be right around the same. Yeah, I I
1: don't think Cincinnati are that great, and I think it's definitely Steelers, Baltimore. I think both of them will make playoffs. I think that's a a much like when we talked about the uh, Panthers and the Saints. I think it could go either way with those teams.
0: Fantastic. Coming up next, we'll take a look at the latest inside the playbook Australia article. Who's facing the make-or-break season in the AFC? It's actually a really good article. It's a long article, so we're going to touch on a couple of things. What took your eye, James? Uh, the first one that
1: took my eye was Geno Smith from the Jets. Spot on with him. He is in a make-or-break year. If he doesn't do well this year, the Jets are not going to sit around waiting for him because teams just don't do that anymore. Uh, I really like it. He proved late last year. He improved a lot for them. I seemed. Th- I think he's going to get. I think he's going to have a good year. I really do. They've, really? they've added a very strong defense. He has a lot of weapons on the offense to throw to. They have a pretty good running game and a pretty good O line. He's certainly out of excuses this year. Yeah, he has no excuses now. And I said, make or break is the pressures on him. He either has to has to has to go for it and be and be good, or he's gone. That's the bottom line. And that would be NFL career over. I'd say. Uh,
0: yeah, I'd agree. I'm going to stay in the AFC East and take a look at the Buffalo Bills quarterback group. Um, Matt Cassell, E.J. Manuel, and Tyrod Taylor, Um, pick your poison. I don't think any of them are that good. There's an old saying in the NFL, if you've got two quarterbacks, you've really got none. You want that standout guy. There's a lot of talk that Tyrod Taylor can actually win that job out. Um, I think E.J. Manuel, I'd put him last. From what I've seen and what he's shown me, I just don't think he can do it.
1: Well, I think that the biggest thing is that the reason everyone thinks um, Tyrod Taylor's going to win it is because they know nothing about him. Everyone know what Matt Cassell is. Yep, he's going to come in if you have a good running game. He can he can dink and dunk it and make a little bit happen. He's not going to he's not going to he's not going to win you any playoff games or any Super Bowls. Same with Manuel. He's pretty unproven. Had a pretty rough start. Um, so I think that's why everyone's saying Tarotel yeah. is it because no one knows.
0: Uh, and look, we haven't done the NF uh, sorry the AFC East yet in our preview, but the Bills are a good team. Absolutely, they just need a quarterback. Yep. Uh, what else do you like?
1: I like my last one. Jacksonville Jaguars offensive lineman Luke Jokel. When we did the AFC South last week, I spoke heavily on him. That if, if he can turn around his career, turn into a very good offensive lineman, that O line will be will be set. Uh, he's definitely in a make or break year. Terrible, terrible year last year. So hopefully he can, you know, for some O line love. Hopefully he can bring it back and and come through with the goods. Because I'm just sick of Jacksonville drafting guys that suck. I feel bad for them.
0: Yep. And another one in there is Johnny Manziel. Go, Johnny. Go, Money Football. That brings us to the end of today's show. Thanks for downloading. You've been listening to the SEN NFL podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at SEN America. Head over to SEN.com.au to find all the great podcasts produced by the guys. Big thanks to our guest today, Tom Hornsey of the Dallas Cowboys. Thanks for coming, mate. We really appreciate it. For James Arthur, for our producer, Chris Tyler, behind the glass, I'm Richard Garraway. Thanks for listening.